He has sat down. He is approaching the microphone. He is putting the headphones on. There we are. There We're we back. Are. I even uh, turned the light on. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. Let's do this. All right. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, episode three. Thanks episode for episode uh, three. Thanks for doing three of these so far. This is pretty good. I know. It's it's actually been uh, something that, I mean, one, it's the only thing I have on every day. So truth be told, I woke up this morning, checked some messages, replied to some lovely improvisers from Tetrabu in Milan, uh, Andrea Ooh, and Fabio, and just checking in with those boys over there and seeing how they're doing. And they're in the same position as all of us, but uh, fighting their way through. Um, and uh, they send their love. And then after that, I played Xbox in bed for three hours because oh. I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> wow. Rough life. I uh, know, right? Uh, so now I've got up, yeah. I've had a shower, and, uh, and I'm ready to podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be the only thing on your schedule. Makes yeah, me feel I, I'm actually going to uh, not break the rules because it's not a total lockdown, uh, but I'm going around to a friend's house this afternoon to drop uh, some board game pieces on his board uh, on his doorstep and then hop straight back in my car and come home nice. so we can play a uh, board game over the internet and he's got the cards and pieces <laughs> that he needs to do it from his end and I'll just set the board up here and we'll videotape it. So. Are you going to drive over to his house and like deal him five cards and deal you yeah. five cards from the same deck and then go back to your own houses? And like, How many cards do you do? Okay, hold on. I'll, I'll bring them over I'll to the morning. back over. <laughs> uh, anyway, so today uh, today's uh, topic, uh, yes. this topic that I, I pulled out, I wanted to throw at you, is uh, the improviser's mind. Yes, Dave, uh, the improviser's mind. And that's a big kind of wide open one as well. You said you generated a couple of questions and, and I have two. Yeah. And uh, my, my first question is, what do you think the improviser's mind is? Yeah, well, that's why I threw it out there because I was like, yeah. it's a pretty big big topic. I like the fact that it was, it was open, a little more open-ended than the previous topic mm-hmm. so far. Uh, but it's also, it's something that uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's the way improvisers think and how we think and how we think differently than other people think mm-hmm. and what is going on in our minds when we hear a suggestion from an audience, when we're on stage and we see an offer from a, a fellow improviser, mm-hmm. uh, when we're backstage just getting excited to go out, what's going through our head, uh, when we do warm-ups before shows and play like... A, like zip zap zop or or something like that is mm-hmm. that actually useful to get us into the right mindset or is it just sort of something that's been passed on uh, there's so many things in this this topic that i was just like i've just been thinking about over and over again especially uh nowadays because nothing going on uh just yeah. thinking about it uh and i keep looping back to this idea of of uh of the improviser's mind what what is happening in our heads that the audience doesn't know about or maybe even newer improvisers mm-hmm. don't really understand. Yeah, and I, I think the first thing, I guess, that's for mine that's happening when I really kind of think about it is we find some way to alleviate the, that fear of, of the unknown yeah. um, uh, to suppress that. And whether that's innate or something that we run towards or something that is learned, um, I guess that's kind of the first real step, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that we have to make. We have to go, well, we have to be at peace with with jumping into the unknown. Yeah. Um, so I guess suppressing that that fear. I mean there's there's all there's already something, be it ego or whatever, at play, wanting to get up and do something in front of other people. Sure. Um uh and and some people practice improvisation not just to perform, just for self confidence or or skills uh at work or, or things like that. So it's not always a means to an end for someone to be uh more you know, a performer up on the stage. They just might wanna uh, you know, get more in touch with themselves. But I think regardless, that's probably the first thing that people are wanting to tackle yeah. is that, and, that that kind of fear. Yeah, and for me, I guess it's even, to be even more specific about it, uh, it's the fear of failing, right? It's that, it's that yeah. fear of, of looking foolish in front of an audience or, or letting your fellow improviser down or getting or up to having freezing your on stage. ideas judged and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but still, it's that fear and that that the nerves that come with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, one. So here's uh, 
the thing that helped me get over that. I'd love to know what helped you get over that. Or if, are you over it? Um, <laughs> I assume you are at this point. But, uh, uh, and it's a, it's something that, okay, so I spent a lot of time watching plays, like theater plays at a mm-hmm. theater. And afterwards I get to talk with actors and hear talkbacks with actors. And if you've ever heard a talkback with an actor before, you know, they're, they're not fun. They're normally actors are not they're They do the most actor. They say the most actory things ever. Like yeah. well, I, f- I try and find the core of the care and they get really, you know, pretentiously actory about things. But one yeah. of them said something once that perfectly summed up what I'm about to say or what my thoughts on it, which is curiosity is what uh, defeats fear. The, right. As soon as you're curious about something and you're wanting to know about it, you're no mm-hmm. longer afraid of it. You're kind of entering into it. So that, like, as soon as you get to the point as an improviser where you are now just like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen when I go on stage. Yeah. Instead of, oh, no, what might happen when I go on stage? <laughs> like, instead of mm-hmm. trying to, you know what's going to happen and you know you're going to fail, you think, I don't know what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen. Let's go find out. Yeah. Oh, great. I think that that's a, a really nice insight, but I think that's probably the first. Yeah, the first thing is is putting that aside. How, however, we do it. How did you is, do it? Come, uh, I I can't remember. I I can't remember ever being scared of 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 <laughs> acting. I was I was um, I was born brave. Well, yeah, man. <laughs> You should read my my mother has uh, high school report cards for me, you know, in like junior high school, just saying Jason is a class clown and an idiot and he'll never get anywhere doing this and stuff like that. And then I realized that I could be a clown, like that could be my job. <laughs> and so, uh, and and after getting thrown out of a couple of very strict schools, I ended up at a school where I actually found some uh, a, a drama drama department where the other school. I'd been to hadn't and uh, realized that uh, uh, you know that 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 was what I wanted to do and and uh, that I was kind of naturally good at and that's something that I'd never experienced at school before so um, I think I said in another podcast I still remember the first theater sports training I ever got via school I still remember the first laugh in a scene I ever got that's not to say I don't get nervous I get nervous all the time before I go on stage um, be it at festivals of course I want to give the audience a really good time I want to make sure I'm you know improvising with the people I'm improvising and really present and well so I still get nerves um, probably more so in more foreign environments so let's say at a big festival or something like that where i'm working with improvisers from all around the world that you know i i I don't want to it's not that i want to impress but i don't want to let down is more of the where the nerves come from um and so i still get very very nervous before some performances and there's still that element of of nervousness before every performance and i think if you lose that you've lost you know you've lost the reason why you're doing it um yeah that's actually something i i was chasing for quite a long time was like things that would make me nervous like yeah not not scared but nervous just yeah like i don't know if this is gonna work whereas Mm -hmm. in improv i'm like I know this is going to work. Like, or I know it, 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 it's not about whether it works or not. Uh, I know this, I know how, I know the, I know what's going to, I know how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Uh, whereas like I, I was doing solo improv for the first few times. I'm sure you felt it when you did it just recently. Yeah. Uh, you get up and you're like, oh my God, it's just me. Like, uh, yeah. if it doesn't go well, it's my fault. <laughs> like, yes. No, <laughs> no, no miscommunication or anything. It was just yeah. me. And that would, that, that's, that was something that, that, uh, but I kept chasing for a while because that, that's when I know I'm pushing myself. Yeah, and so I think that 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 is important to articulate that there is a difference between fear and nerves, um, uh, and and the fear can really hold you back, and the nerves can kind of fuel you really, um, and 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 sharpen your focus to an extent. Yeah, because I, I think yeah, I think nerves is something that happens just kind of in the body. You get yeah. jitters and and stomach things, but fear is something that's like in your head like you are yeah. just thinking about these things you're scared of and that is what's going to ruin your your ability to improvise cuz half your brain is thinking about your all these things you're afraid of and everything that could go wrong instead yeah. of your whole brain focused just on improvising can you remember the last time you were scared walking in into a show scared uh yeah 
the last time I was scared. I can't. I don't think I can remember the last time necessarily, but I remember a very specific time when I was scared going into a show, mm-hmm. and my brain was going, "Oh no!" Uh, was at a festival show somewhere. Mm-hmm. Not going to say where. Uh, and I was put on an ensemble, uh, or like just on a team. It wasn't really an ensemble. Like we weren't workshopping together. We were just kind of thrown on a team together. Yeah. And I looked at the people on my team, and I was like, "Oh, oh no." Because I knew right. their styles, and I was like, "This is they're, they're not going to work well together. They're not going to yep. work." Uh, and like a few people have never done a long form thing ever, and we're about to do a, a a long form piece, and so I was like, "Oh no!" And so that fear did to me the thing that I uh, I've worked so hard to not do, and I still do it sometimes, where I just like take over, right? right. Where so my brain, my the fear part of my brain is thinking, "How can I make this work?" Mm-hmm. And all I'm doing is trying to make this work, and I'm not really paying attention to what everyone else is doing out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the same for me. It, it was a, a festival show, uh, and it was it was overly complex and uh, and undersupported, uh, and so you just kind of you're standing in the side of the stage, and you, you're scared for yourself but also for everyone like you're like how how is this gonna work i don't know Uh, we we hopefully with our charms and uh, our commitment and uh and our skills will pull it off but like yeah stepping out on stage uh because i'm trying what i'm trying to get at and articulate is what are the things that fuel fear walking out onto a stage for an improviser and is it for for me uh it's it's being underprepared in, in a way, like having a half-cooked idea um, or having not a lot of clarity around what the director wants out of the format or out of you as an improviser. Um, I know that uh, you probably get this as well, but as a, a, a more experienced improviser, I get asked to do a lot of things um, and I'm super happy and always to support younger improvisers' ideas. Um, uh, but sometimes, and I'm sure I've put the people in this position as well, Sometimes it's just not so clear what what they're asking, no matter how many times you ask it. They can't really articulate it or they don't bother replying, depending on where Mm -hmm. they're coming from. And that's the thing that that kind of fuels that fear there, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way to to put it. Or, or, uh, and to me, it's also like as soon as the, um, the, uh, there's a lack of trust within a group of people. It definitely mm-hmm. puts more fear into the work, uh, yes. which gets just gets in the way of thinking clearly. And I think that's that's the part of the improviser's mind that uh, is so important is that that uh, that clear clear thinking, not yeah. lots of thinking, not fast thinking, but just like I'm thinking about the right thing. Yeah, right and it's the it's anything that takes you away from being super present in the moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and and filtering responses through the char- the prism of the character that you're playing, so uh, you know there there's there's times where I'll have a response uh, like you know I'm in a character and I'll have a response that's not appropriate for the character to say, so I'll edit it in my brain and won't <laughs> say it, and maybe I'll share it backstage later on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I think you've got to be you know you've got to be so inside that character and so present that you're able to do that. And if you've got half your brain or all your brain focusing on trying to make everything work, mm-hmm. then you oftentimes end up adding to the problem as well because you know, yeah, of course, you're yeah. responding from an improviser point of view rather than a character point of view a lot of the time. Great. So is that somewhere where you think, uh, so when it's like what's going on in your head when you're improvising, are you constantly sort of asking yourself like, what would this character do? Or are you just kind of like, like uh, looking at the offer and letting it, inspire you like like something i've been pushing on lots of my students lately is like the skill that i I keep saying i think is the most important skill we have is just word association like just association being able to see something and think of something else that that inspires in you honestly not like 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 i can come up with the perfect idea answer to that's just like no 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 i see you doing dishes and i think about a husband and wife fighting and like that comes to my mind yeah. And so like trying to push that that on people because uh, like is that what's going on in your head just like constantly associating or are you filtering it through a character like what what do you what do you think how would you describe what's going on in your head on stage it's it, it, it's weird because I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to 
And yeah, sorry, before yeah. you answer, it's like, yeah. I know this is like an impossible question to really remember even. Yeah. Because like, you're kind of in like a, like a daze sometimes on stage, like what is going mm-hmm. through your head? But like, what, how best could you articulate it? It, I, I think it's a series of filters, right? And so it's uh, it, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, one of those uh, one of those tubes, pneumatic tubes, where, where things go up in different directions. Oh yeah, like uh, a little and, ball of the air, and it sucks it up. Yeah, like yeah. That. And so yeah, it's like a like a, um, like a vacuum tube or something. So yeah, you've got yeah. little gateways that switch either way. And so I think the offer that comes in is like one of those coming up and. There's just like little pinball flippers going. Is this a character offer? Is this an emotion offer? Is this a narrative offer? Yeah. And and so uh, and so in that split second where that goes chew 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 into any one of those things, that then defines a bit of how you respond to it. Am I driving narrative forward here? Am I responding from an emotional character place? Uh, am I offering something, or is the improviser wanting something from me? So I've got to build towards that for them. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and so I guess it's that kind of thing. Depending on what the input is, it's it's a different part of the improviser skill set that's responding. Sometimes sure. it's the truth of my character. Sometimes it's building relationships. Sometimes it's focusing on narrative, mm-hmm. um, and all of that is underlined by just being aware of kind of where we are in the scope of the story. Um, yeah, as well. Totally. What's needed. Um, one of the mantras that I try to teach my students very early on is is this. Who's, uh, and we can talk about this in our story one as well, and I will, but it's it's uh, whose story is it and how can I serve that story? Yeah, so yeah. If, you're, if, you're ask, if you're lost or confused, you just ask those, those two questions. First, you figure whose story it is. Who's the protagonist here? And then how can I serve that? Do they need help? Do they need hindrance? All of that sort of stuff. Um, and so firstly, by asking that question, you're taking yourself out of your own head and going, what can I, what can I do to make the story better? You're actually going, oh, well, who's this about and what can I do to affect that, yeah. um, the stuff that's already happening? Yeah. And now, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, like I, I, totally agree. Like that's mostly what's going through my head too. That's how I would almost describe. Although for me, I feel like it's like I'm constantly uh, overwriting all of the information that's in my head mm-hmm. with every offering out everything here. It's just like, it's like, I feel like I do a 20 minute scene and every 30 seconds, a whole new world has been painted mm-hmm. and it's just constantly resetting and I'm refilling in all the cracks and I'm like, you're wa- like, uh, what's, what's, what are you doing on stage? Give me a topic. I don't want to do washing dishes all the time. You walk <laughs> on stage and you start doing an activity. What do you do? Uh, you are, uh, you are a uh, master apprentice. You're a master craftsman, uh, a carpenter. You, okay, so so you're on stage, you, Jason Geary. You're on stage oh, as I'm a carpenter. Yeah, you're doing yes, some carpentry I'm, stuff. I'm planing. Yeah, and so I'm instantly, I'm transported into like uh, an old-timey, like, uh, like peasant carpentry shop in like mm-hmm. a small village somewhere and i see all of that and i haven't said any of that yet but that's yes. just what popped into my brain and mm-hmm. so i come in as the younger son of this older carpenter yeah and i make an offer to you and then you say something i don't know what it is but something that makes it present day right mm-hmm. you say something Could about the, the electric drill possibly the electric, electric drill. drill or something and i now that whole peasant farm that I've been imagining in the, yep. like 1600s is gone. And now we're mm-hmm. in a modern day garage out back of the house of these, yep. this family. Uh, and it just happens so fast that that other world is like gone now. Mm-hmm. That other world with the story of this poor beggar's, or this poor carpenter's son mm-hmm. is just erased. And then I start, uh, now we're somewhere else. And then I just go where I think that story should go. And, and some I, other improvisers would dig their heels in right at that very first thing. They'll walk on stage and go, it's, it's the oldie times and, and that's, that's that. Uh, and then when it changes, that would trip people up sometimes. That uh, I think the electric improvisers. drill. Yeah. <laughs> electric drill. Are you a time traveler? It's like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> when did we say we were in the 1600s? You've been imagining. Yeah. Uh, like uh, when I was in high school, one of my, uh, one of my, teammates on my improv team said uh, uh what happens in your head is only possibility but what's said on stage is truth yeah and that that stuck with me because that's and that's how i improvise 
Uh, I let things fill my head all the time, and I'm constantly yep. like, same, I'm same. seeing like a whole story off of that one offer of a carpenter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you say another offer, and that whole thing that was in my head is gone. It just shatters. And it's replaced by something else, right? And I feel like that's what's constantly happening. It's just everything is always changing, and but I'm always just sort of resetting. This is what's happening now. This is the world Mm -hmm. we're in now. Uh, And like, and then looking back at like, does that make sense with this world we're in now? Uh, And it does. Great, perfect. That's where we're going. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I think that happens a lot, a lot with me too. And and I had to work really hard early on to let not call that stuff out, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, not call those changes out, not panic, because because that's a result of panic when when you when you're calling those changes out. Uh, yeah, uh, it's like oh, hang on, what? Huh? And so you only really need one thing to tether you in, and then you can build the rest around you, and mm-hmm. um, and then start using something that's in that space, in that world that you've created and that you see. One mm-hmm. of the the things that I adore about the the work that you do and and uh, and other improvisers as well is when they see the world that they're built on on stage they can casually walk across stage and grab something and use it like it's been there the whole time <laughs> yeah. you know and and it's so satisfying to see that that happen uh and and you know continue to be played in a scene i oftentimes i think surprise people by doing that same thing of of you know it's it's an empty chair stage it's two chairs and a um and a blank space but uh i I know the cupboard's been behind me the whole scene so i'm not surprised by it when i get up and go over to it and and pull out what i need to out of it you know yeah um and it's it's a really nice thing uh, for the audience as well, I think it it, it really ensues trust uh, and, yeah. and brings does that thing like we were talking about the other day to, of, of of letting the audience tell the story with you, bringing them on board. Yeah, and letting the other improviser tell the story with you too, right? mm-hmm. like like letting letting go of what's happening in your head. Yeah, because yeah. like that that's the part of it that's that's so fun. Is and that's where that curiosity I mentioned earlier comes in. Is it's just like, mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder where this is going to go. Like if we reverse that situation, and I'm on stage planing, right, and I'm being yep. a carpenter, and then you walk in and go, Shh, the captain says he needs you on the bridge, yeah, and totally throw a whole wrench in this carpenter idea because now yeah, we're on yeah. a spaceship. Uh, I don't go. Oh no, what am I? What am I going to do? I just <laughs> yeah. be like. I, I'd be like, oh, what did so? What am I doing then? I'm not a get carpenter. off the holodeck. You're spending all your time in the holodeck. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, okay, I'm not a carpenter. Well, I, I guess the, uh, the the warp core is almost ready, sir. I'll be right there. Yeah. And now I'm yeah, working yeah. on a warp core, and this is how I do it. It looks like planing, yeah. uh, and just like letting go of of the, of the stories in your head and just following the story that's on the stage. And yeah. that to me is just so much fun. And that's what I, one of the things I love about improvising. But that's kind of what's going through my head. I think. But again, I'm not sure if that's all that's going through my head. Yeah. Uh, look, the the only times I can like think about it in the moment, actually knowing what's happening in my head is when I'm panicked. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Otherwise, it's this mystery that we can kind of reflect on and go, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it's 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 letting go and 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 retelling. The only time I'm I, I I can actually realize what's happening on stage and remember what's happening on stage, it's almost like a dream. Is when I'm when I'm panicked because if it's going well, it's flowing and it's there's no reason to hold on to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, fi- I actually find it hard to remember a lot of improv shows, and I've yeah. been improvising for a long time, and have people come up to me now saying, oh, I saw you a couple of years in this show and you did this and that, that was an amazing narrative. And I was like, I, I can't, uh, like I'll say, thank you. That's really lovely. Thanks. But I can't remember what they're talking about. <laughs> like it just kind of goes like a dream. But when I am present on stage as the improviser is when I'm in panic mode for some reason, whether I'm on sure. tilt, I'm having a bad night or I'm, uh, or I've, uh, you know, done something that I'm not necessarily uh, used to doing, or you know, uh, uh, or, or something like that, um, or or something's gone wrong. Maybe uh, you know, there's been a, a poor taste joke or something like that, and I get yeah, very for sure. present, to say that kind of too, in yeah. there. Yeah, I would um, say when someone so, makes an inappropriate offer is when my brain yeah. goes into, oh no, how can I fix this? And yeah. I get into fixer yeah. mode, and I'm I'm realizing mm. I'm on stage like with an audience who just saw that. 
and I need yeah. to fix it or justify it or stop the scene and apologize, like mm-hmm. whatever. Depending on how bad it is, normally it's never that bad. It's not yeah, like a stop yeah. the and scene that was horribly <laughs> offended. That doesn't happen too often. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. But that's they're the times that I remember being present on stage. You know, like when when I've got when the improviser is pre- present in my body, the improviser brain of of. Um, or the police brain, I guess, you know, <laughs> like that kind of the voice of experience or, or, or just being aware of, of the shape of show or things like that. And all of those things normally just putter away in the background beneath all of that kind of narrative and character choices and stuff like that. But when, when those incidents in shows, and again, I'm not blaming other people exclusively for this. Sometimes I'll do it and just go, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, have stepped over a line or pushed it a little bit too hard here or there. And, um, and so I'll, uh, I'll be present because of something I've done as well as, um, you know, someone else has done as well. So it's, um, they're the times that I remember being like very conscious on stage uh, is when the improviser police is there. And again, you don't want to let the audience know that that person is present um, and you don't, but you need to, yeah, you're worrying about shape of show. You're worrying about that particular offer and you can't kind of go back into your body, I guess, into those yeah. natural kind of skills. And the other thing I'm thinking about on stage sometimes, and I don't know if this is quite right saying that I'm thinking about it, but it uh, thoughts enter into my mind because of it, which mm-hmm. is people in the audience. So I, <clears throat> I, 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 the phrase I use to explain it is keeping the audience in my head with me. So like I try to know mm-hmm. where everybody's sitting as best I can. Uh, we have like regulars that come to our shows and I like to know where they are. I can hear their laugh and I know, uh, yeah, Margaret and Ian, they like, they like that. And of course they would. Right. Uh, or I know right. there's those two stoned teenagers in the back that come uh, every, like, you know, to every show and they're there tonight. So you know what? This joke is for them. And I'm going to make a joke yeah. for those guys because I know they like the jokes. And even though this is a serious <laughs> show, I'm going to give them a joke. And so like yeah. like like that sort of allowing the the audience to influence where my offers are coming from. So I don't know if I'm like mm-hmm. consciously thinking about them, but I know they're there and that's like weighing on my choices. Yeah. I know that my like it, like uh uh the first time um we met at the Amsterdam festival uh Yes. I knew you were in the audience in our last show we were doing, um, yes. uh, the speakeasy show we were doing. And like, I knew you were there and like, and, and you were in my head with me for part of that show. And I'm like making <laughs> offers that I'm like, Jason will like this offer, you know, like, and I'm no, and I know that's happening because I know you're there and I know you're sitting like right at the back row on the far audience. Left. Yeah. Yeah. And I can still remember where people are sitting in certain shows. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cause like I try to stay conscious of it. But it's something that it's like, it's like, it's hard to say, like, uh, to answer that question, where, where do your ideas come from? Like, that's an impossible Mm. question to answer. And I know that the audience being there and me being conscious of it is fueling those ideas, but I still don't know like how they're, they're manifesting as ideas. The best answer to where do your ideas come from that I can think of is you. You know, like uh, the person I'm standing off opposite of, the offer from the audience, the what's happening in the scene. Mm-hmm. That's where my ideas come from. Um, uh, it's never out of context. You know, we talk about the circle of expectation uh, when we improvise. If you get uh, that simple offer, that one word, that location provides you with so much. And that's where your ideas come. They come from that 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 spark that of inspiration. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of being able to articulate those ideas. And perhaps people who ask that question aren't used to articulating those creative ideas or, or those things creatively. And so it looks like magic, but mm-hmm. it's just a process, really. And it's just allowing those ideas to come to you. But uh, uh, you know, I might ha- I might have one idea at the start of the show, and the rest of my ideas come from the show, the other improvisers. Yeah, and I guess their, the, their the, responses. The mystery is like, okay, so you went on stage as a carpenter planing, and then I thought of uh, the sixteen hundreds. Uh, setting with a carpenter and his son. Yeah. But where did that come from in my head? I can't tell yeah. you. I can justify it after the fact. And it's almost like like um, it's not about thinking of ideas. 
in my case. It's about doing everything I can to get out of the way of the ideas that are just coming through. Yes. And not trying yep. to figure out where they're coming from. Because I don't know yeah. where they're coming from. But they're there. Mm-hmm. And if they're if I'm sitting there going, mm, I don't know if that's good. I'm just in the way of it. Yeah. I 100% agree. Like that's that's what great improv is, is, is getting out of the way of, of your own good ideas. Because you're the one who's going to fuck up. That distance between your brain and your mouth is a couple of inches, but you can fuck it right up between all of that, you know, that couple of inches out of your mouth from the time you have it by just getting in the way, uh, by starting to feel, let that fear come in, you know, is this the right thing? Am I doing that, saying the right, uh, the right thing? And you were talking before about having uh, like a part of your brain out into the audience. And I, I talk about that with my students as well. Um, but in the sense of just having a general idea of what they'd expect in that particular show or that particular genre or that particular scene. Because the idea behind that is if, if you're giving your audience exactly what they expect, they're going to be happy. Like they're going, they're going to leave happy. If you give them exactly what they expect and surprise them regularly in doing so – they're going to leave delighted uh, at your show. Yeah. So you don't need to try to push and hit the back wall and and win everyone over. If people are coming in to see us, you know, if if the scene is about a carpenter and an apprentice, master apprentice, there's a certain circle of expectation. There's a certain Venn diagram that that happens there that people kind of know. So all we need to do to find our equi- equilibrium in there is do that scene. And then, because you and I are individuals and we have this process where I'll give you something and you'll magically jump to somewhere else, we'll surprise each other and the audience off the back of that. And so we're not trying to be clever. We're not trying to be funny. We're not trying to blow the world open. We're just trying to give the audience what they expect and then surprise and delight them every once in a while. And that surprise and delight reflects in our work as well because oftentimes we're surprising and delighting each other and ourselves while we're doing it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, uh, and uh, or or su- surprising and delighting your own self. Like yes, uh, when I first started doing solo work, I remember I would do that. I would like when that moment when you're walking between the two characters, mm-hmm. and I know what I was expecting the response to be to the line I just said, but by the time I cross the stage, I intentionally change it to delight and surprise myself and it's a weird thing to try and do but it works uh it works and it keeps that same excitement and energy happening yeah Uh, and so so it's yeah it's 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 a really wonderful thing and i i i find that once i start teaching students that they don't have to push so hard to to get the audience to understand once they understand what they expect as audience members in a scene then they they relax a little bit on stage, um, and uh, and once once you relax a little bit on stage, then you you're allaying that fear a bit more as well. So yeah, I think it's a, a really nice way to approach it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and uh, and um, I have a question for you. Go for it. What do you admire? most about about the mind of other improvisers that you admire mm. does that make sense that question totally um, makes sense yeah 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 i think um i admire uh this depends on the improviser and depends on the mind but there's so many people that i admire yes I know. so many people spring to mind right i now. think i'll just just to, i'm going to talk about it, trying to be in the general instead of about specific people yep but often it is not uh, it, it's the the way they approach a thing that is perfectly different than the way I do, or 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 uh, appears to be perfectly different than the way I do. Yeah, that their mind just thinks in a different different uh, angle on everything, and mm-hmm. that 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 brings in ideas into scenes that I'm just like so happy to see there. Like, wow, I would never have expected that story to go there or like that is not a perspective I would ever bring to the stage. Uh, like one of the things I love with, uh, with paper streets work is we do, uh, we, we don't do cross gender play, right? Just play mm-hmm. whatever, whatever gender you identify as like, that's what you play. Uh, and so we end up with, with lots of scenes with very, uh, like protagonists that are, that are women, right? Which yes. is, which are not women playing men, but just women. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the stories that, that end up coming from their perspectives are so beautiful to me compared to my horribly heteronormative man brain. 
Yeah, uh, so I, I think I think part of it is 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 that um, is that just the the differences between people that I, I, I admire, but then also there's there's more to it than that. But that's that's what I'll start with. How about you? Yeah, I mean, there's there's that is is a good percentage of it. I think just the ability to stand and admire someone's different take, whether it be on narrative, on story, on character, it's all going into the same ends, but it's something that you don't expect. So even something you don't expect is enough to surprise and delight. You know what I mean? It's Again, you're not trying to do anything. You're just improvising the way you're improvising, but you're surprising and delighting the person you're on stage with. Uh, for me also, it is that uh, like different kind of, energy and i know uh, energy is kind of a big kind of <laughs> overused open-ended word but people bring uh different kind of energies to the stage and and i've met uh people i've been privileged enough to travel and meet and work with a lot of different people which has been absolutely wonderful and and you meet people who are polarizing uh within the community um and you know some people like working with them some people don't and i enjoy working with those kind of people because they're committed to <laughs> an approach or a stance or a method of teaching or, or something like that and what i tell people is even if you are um even if you are, you know, not offended, but you know, you you're you're on your heels by the energy that the person is putting out, there's still going to be gems for you in the way that they work. You know, you can't wholeheartedly write off someone's approach without kind of breaking it down first, because there's always going to be something you can learn from everyone, and that's why I've always uh, kind of poo-pooed the idea of there's this school of improvisation and that school of improvisation and this style and that style there's yeah. so much to be learnt from everything and so what I love uh, is is the difference is the difference in energy the difference in feel and the fact that I need to negotiate that and meet that halfway regardless you know so uh, you know it's all well and good improvising with the people you've been improvising with for 20 years and you've got a second language but you 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 can, you've also got to go out and do festival shows with people you've never met or, uh, or you know, um, uh, maybe some rookie shows or, or something like that um, to try to support new talent coming up. So you're always going to be meeting a, a, a different mind and a different energy and, and that's the thing that excites me about yeah. the whole thing. And so what I look for is in in other people is just an attack i guess and it doesn't have to be aggressive it can be very subtle and very laid back but something that has that commitment behind it something that shows that these people have thought about the way that they work and what they bring to the stage and that's what i find really exciting because to me it feels like i have a a, a, a you know a, a a, pl a new play buddy in front of me and essentially I do um, and and I get to kind of figure out how it works and 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 bends and buckles and bows and and uh, and and again how it reacts with with my play style uh, too so I'm looking for an improviser that has a focused mind uh, that can bring their their own kind of stuff uh, their own thought process to it regardless of how opposite to me that process might be yeah and um yeah like I, uh, another thing that i love uh about the way people's mind thinks is is just l different life experiences yes that bring different uh, inspiration to mind sooner so like um uh, i was doing a scene at last year's festival because uh, remember i was gonna do a festival this year and you oh know, yeah yeah come to yeah, it. I was gonna I was gonna come I was gonna be there. but uh, we're not but We'd last year we these. did do one uh, and uh, I was doing a scene I was on stage with uh, Damika Parker from Portland Oregon mm -hmm. and uh, I went out uh, as like a, I, she was crying on a bench and so uh, uh, and I was like I go out kind of apprehensive and she makes this offer that the the baby has been is still crying and started crying again Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was like, wow, like what a, what an offer to make. And I knew in that offer because of like the sud, like how she made it, it was so perfect. And of course I have kids. So I saw the look of uh, a new mother who's dealing with like postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And I saw all of that in that one offer. And I was like, I would have never expected that that was the scene I was walking into here. 
Yep. Uh, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, I think that's what the scene is. And so my world paints and, you know, I see this living room and like I know where the kitchen is and I know like I'm holding a board game because I just got back from a board game night with the guys <laughs> and like all of it just comes to life. And then I yep. just start playing this scene and it was exactly the offer that was intended. And it kind of just like we'd locked in to each other there. Because as soon as she, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I know what this is, and it was one of yeah. the greatest scenes of the night, uh, maybe the yeah. whole festival. Was it was just such a powerful, moving scene. Um, but it came from Damika's experiences and and life experiences and and who she is as a person, and that choice just came out, and I was so excited. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And so we went there, and it was great. It was lovely. Yeah, I, I I love it when I'm met with something like that, and and you meet it halfway, and uh, and you're just like, okay, let's let's go. I've um, had that experience a lot, and I'm sure other people have too. Improvising with uh, people like uh, like Rama, uh, Nicholas, or Patty, or Anders, yeah. Anders uh, uh, Force, oh, um, as well. Uh, you know, I always have that kind of a, a electric kind of like on my toes. This is going to be something, you know. Um, when when I met with people like that, um, so that's that's what I look for, and I know it takes some sort of confidence to get to that point as well. But if improvisers listening to this are going, well, what is that confidence? I'm. I want to tell you that it's, it's trusting your ideas. It's trusting your history. It's bringing yourself onto the stage that that scene with Damika is rich because she's bringing her experiences onto the stage there's truth underneath it be it be it comedy be it drama there's truth there you know and that that kind of truth shows shines through and is an invitation to another improviser to jump onto it and it's an invitation to the audience to join us yeah. on the stage because they they see us yeah and uh, I think um like here's this is the thing with the improviser's mind idea we're talking about is it's hard to tell you what it is, but it's really easy to tell you what it's not. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not, it's not thinking of a really clever, brilliant idea and bringing that on stage. That's not, yeah. and it's not, um, it's not that every single idea you have is great, and it, it's not trying to think of ideas that is going to impress somebody else. It's not like all, all that. Uh, it's really about getting all that out of the way, getting all those those things that you think are creative. Uh, mm. I, I, I refer to it as the creative place that we like to go to in our brains to find our creative ideas. And I put that in yes. quote of like, ooh, you know what? Rubber chickens are always funny. Uh, and you bring those <laughs> up uh, and you throw out this fun. It's not about you don't want to go there. You don't mm -hmm. want to try to recreate something you saw somebody else do once because it worked when they did it. Uh, you want to get all that out of the way. So that when you see something, who you are is allowed to come through, where that idea came from is allowed to, to, to let that idea out, and there's nothing stopping it from coming to your mind. And then you, then you use all of the skills and craft of improv to take that idea and make it work. But, yeah. but letting those ideas out is that first stage. And that that can be uh, directly that sound grade can be directly applied to what we're talking about formats, uh, creating formats as well uh, beforehand. You know, trying to get out of the creative place, trying to get out of you know you've seen someone else do it, so you're going to do it or change it slightly, and you know you, so you get into that that creative space where you are listening to your truth, where you're present, and and that's that's what you're going through. As well, so yeah. When you were saying that, I was like, that could be exactly applied to yeah. what we were talking about in formats before as well. Um, I guess the improviser's mind needs to be generous. It needs to be uh, open. Uh, it needs to be trusting. Um, uh, and and given you know, a lot of us are professional actors and uh, deal with all sorts of level of anxieties and and stuff like that that it's not easy to walk in day day in day out or every friday saturday night and leave check those things at the door so if uh we were talking about warm-ups before um i don't like a lot of warm-ups uh i, I want to save <laughs> now i'm particularly now i'm an older guy i, I don't want to warm up for an hour before a show and and then go and have to do a show for an hour you know i'd much rather spend that time checking in getting connected with people maybe doing a a, a little bit of an energizing thing but that's that's about my level of of warm-up um some of the companies i work with here in melbourne do a prescribed hour-long warm-up before their two-hour show, um, and 
it's it's good and and I respect it and uh, I wouldn't be doing the shows if I didn't respect it um so uh, as an improviser I'm willing to you know go on board with with whatever the prescribed thing is but for me allaying those anxieties that come in uh allaying you know p- checking yourself at the door and allowing the improviser to walk into the theater um just making those connections with people is enough to to do that for me and I know uh, and sharing the fact that you know what today I am a, I am a bit anxious with with others and sometimes you don't have have the experience or the trust in the group that you're working with to have a a really in-depth kind of check-in but it's it's nice to have a I prefer a check-in to a full-blown warm-up uh now because I I want to know how I can care for other people on the stage um so just a little bit of how how people are feeling where they're kind of at um and and stuff like that really kind of yeah, helps I, me. I used to uh, I used to to hate check-ins. Um like the everyone go around the circle and check in. Yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't say hate them, but I never really cared for them. I felt like it was always just wasting people's time and they'd rather me just get right into improv. But I've been doing them for the last few years, maybe 4 years now. Uh with all of my classes, we do a check-in at the beginning of every class and maybe it takes mm-hmm. 5 minutes, maybe it takes 10 if everyone's really excited. Uh and it is so important. Mm-hmm. Because it lets people know what's going on in each other's lives. And yeah. that is like that is like information that you want to know. Like, I want to know what you do for a living when I get on stage with you. I want to know, do you have kids? Are, do, you, are, do you like to travel? Like, I want to know something about you so that when I'm playing with you, I can see these ideas coming out of you. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's, that's exactly where that makes sense. Like, I, I want to yeah. know about you. Um, and so, like, I love check-ins now. And I think one of my favorite warm-ups I used to ever do, I have a few weird warm-ups that I do depending on the show. But um, one of the warm-ups I used to do with Ryan Beal from Vancouver uh, uh, of the Sunday service, we had a duo called the Storytellers back in the day until he yep. couldn't show up to a show. And then I went solo. But um, <laughs> uh, we still do the show once in a while. And uh, our warm-up for that show for years was we would just stare at each other in the eyes for about 10 minutes. Right. Like we wouldn't talk, we would just right. look at each other, and like right. uh, and and like you know maybe this was back this was years ago, so we'd maybe like smoke a cigarette and like share a cigarette or something. We don't smoke now, nor do I condone it, but um, but we would do something like that and just look at each other, uh, and that was our warm up, and that was all we really needed because like a, a part of it was always uh, the thing I don't like about warm ups is when it takes me out of myself, yeah, and into this like this jumpy positive guy and it's like i want to yeah. bring who i am on stage with me that's what helps those the the to me that's what helps my my brain work is like i've had a shitty day so you know what on stage there's going to be some shitty day ideas shitty day mm-hmm. offers are going to be coming out on stage not aggressive or mean but like my character's not going to be having a great day at the beginning of the scene he's going to be yeah. a little shitty yeah yeah I think uh, yeah, I think that's really really important. The other thing that I think warming up overtly does, like with energy warm ups, is it puts everyone in exactly the same spot, yeah. Uh, and, and they're all a buzz and they're all kind of nervy and up on their toes and skipping around and stuff like that. So you end up with a top heavy kind of show with all these cr- this crazy kind of energy at the start of a show where we should be building to that kind of energy towards the end of our shows like and yeah. the, and fueled by story by scene by all of that kind of stuff and so you know to come out with big punchy energy in every single thing that you're doing you're kind of robbing yourself that of that arc or the, or that shape of show yeah. um and and it does dip people come out and they, they've got that energy and then it dips a little bit and if you're lucky you kind of get it back up a little but i've seen shows that are just kind of go energy 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 kind of flatline right <laughs> yeah. through the the rest of the thing and uh and this is by no means you know slagging off anyone else's process if i go to a theater and your process is an hour of warm-ups before a show i will do your hour of warm-ups you won't hear a complaint from me um and uh, i'll respect the way that you warm up but just thinking about my own mind i agree i want to be connected i want to be present i want to uh be uh, kind of yeah really connected with the people i'm walking out on stage with and uh, and and storing that energy up so we could come out on on stage rather yeah. than kind of blowing it all off right before the show. Yeah, the other the other warm ups I find valuable um, 
for getting me into the mindset to improvise as opposed to just like having fun is uh, we do for, for paper street, depending on the show we're doing, we do different kinds of warm ups, but a lot of, we do a lot of shared storytelling. So like mm-hmm. one person starts a story, the next person continues, the next person can, and we just sort of talk our way through a story. It's not overtly physical. It's just talking and it's us together making something. And that to me yep. is what I like. It's just like, let's just get, get into this flow, like back and forth. Like this is, this is who we are. This is how we're working together. Uh, yeah. Or else we'll do, uh, and then we'll also do something just called find the light. Uh, cause we have a lot of technical, um, yes. light stuff. So, so we do this game and everyone sings the song, find the light, find the light, find your light, find your light. Uh, and, uh, and then the lighting improviser brings up a look and two people just play a scene in that look. Nice. Uh, and it's really just, we're just doing scenes now. And again, it's mm-hmm. that same thing. It's just like, we're just working together. We're just trying out some scenes just to kind of get on the same, like, like page or just to remember what the show's about or what the idea yep. is. Uh, and go through those steps instead of like a big, long, involved, like stretch and zoom and this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Some shows you need higher energy, so you need to do a little bit of that. Other shows yep. you don't. And I think uh, when you just treat every show like we got to do this warm up, are you really getting into the right mind for that show? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Depending on the, the type of show that you're doing, uh, then, you know, you want to ask yourself as a director – uh, prescribing those what energy do you want at the start of the show because that's that's where you're warming people up to you know uh and if it's this general kind of manic energy endpoint um that's what you're going to get when you start your show um so as mm-hmm. a director of a particular format you know ask yourself what you need at the start of your show and get your actors and improvisers in that spot in that mindset yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I got another uh, sort of topic I want to touch on here. We're getting close to the end. Um, but something I just want to ask you about, do you, or have you ever, uh, meditated? Do you practice mindfulness at all? And if so, uh, do you find a, a similarity or a connection between the, the mindset you get in on stage and the mindset you get in when meditating? Uh, I have recently started, uh, to meditate, um, uh, when I say recently, probably three years ago, uh, the last three years I've been suffering from anxiety and depression to the, to the point where I, uh, kind of withdrew from the community for, for six or eight months and, um, and really just kind of came into my own, own shell. So part of my journey back has been getting into mindfulness and, and meditation. Um, I think there is a, it's, it's hard to meditate because, I have an improviser's mind, and as soon as there's a bit of space in there, something leaps out, and and uh, and and you start thinking, "Oh yeah," and uh, and you've got to just let that go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's like it's like that brain has kind of ADHD, and as soon as there's room, it's just like, "Oh, oh, oh, look, there's a thought." There's and you want to follow it rather than than let it go. So I've been working on that, but I think there is some resemblance there i think where you've just got this narrow focus you're in it and you're 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 letting it kind of wash over you as as it as it arrives you know uh and sometimes it's more successful than others i other i practice other mindfulness practices as well like i'm a huge nerd so i i uh, spend time painting uh miniature figures for uh, uh for board games and and D and stuff like that and i find that a very relaxing mindfulness kind of exercise where i'm not necessarily um meditating as such but i've got a a, a very uh a, singular focus and uh and and that sort of thing so um yeah i've been meditating a little bit and i can see comparisons between the two uh but i i haven't made the connections really yeah i think uh so so i've been about the same as you i've been meditating for about three three years that's probably coming up on it maybe only two uh but but uh and and i was in a nice good run of like every day for uh, like almost almost a full year straight uh and then started to get a little spottier nowadays um as i as i'm getting uh more more and more busy and stressed although now i've got all this time i'm gonna get back into it yeah but uh but um 
but yeah, and it's funny that you say you had a hard time because you have an improviser's mind. Because part of me was like, I, I feel like pretty good about this because I have an improviser's mind. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> like, uh, like you're saying, you know, thoughts are just going like there's empty space and you can fill it. And so you have one thought and you just, yes, Andy, yes, Andy, yes, Andy. And you build on this thought and you just <laughs> explore it. But then getting good at catching yourself thinking about those thoughts and letting them go. The part yeah. I found easy was the forgiving myself for being bad at it. Which yeah. I think is is the, what the a struggle a lot of people have is that they get frustrated because they're so bad at meditating. Whereas yeah. as an improviser, I was like, yeah, 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 you know, I'm bad at this. That's okay. I, don't, I mean, it's I'm, I don't I never felt guilty for thinking a thought or like getting mad at myself for thinking a thought. It was always just that curiosity of like, I wonder why I was thinking about that right now. Yeah, uh, and like I would enjoy the process of catching myself. Um, and so, so I found it uh, almost enjoyable because of that. Uh, and yeah, the connection between the two, cause people make it all the time when I'm teaching, they'll say, Ooh, it's just like mindfulness. Right. Uh, and they'll say that phrase all the time. And so now that I have like more experience with mindfulness, I do see what they're saying because a lot of what I teach is just about awareness, just mm -hmm. about being aware of what someone else is doing, what's going on on stage, what's happening in your own body. What are you doing right now? And just being aware of all of that because you can't do anything else if you're not that. And so I see where mindfulness does does call, uh, and improv kind of have that similar, uh, similar um, o o grounding, uh, origin, uh, uh, starting place. Yeah. 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 I, cool. I, I okay, see I the parallels wanna... there. Yeah, I see the parallels there as well. Um, yeah, I think I'm, uh, I've, I've got to get used to bringing my improv practice into my meditation practice, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> allowing myself to fail happily rather than sitting there going, Oh, come on, come on, just let it. Like, let it go. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not supposed to be good at it. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, cool. Anything else you want to say about the improviser's mind? Any other like last thoughts? Uh, or no, I think or? we've. I think we've. I mean, it's 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 one of those rabbit hole kind of subjects. You could kind of wax lyrical about different elements about it all the time, but I don't know whether we're actually talking about it. It's kind of a nebulous subject anyway, and it's been really really yeah. interesting dipping into it. Um, like, do you and trying do you find to articulate? Yeah, I got well, one last thing, Ben. Uh, is is do you find other places in your life where your improv mind, your 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 ability to curiously look at ideas and explore ideas and and accept offers and all that 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 comes into play or comes in handy anywhere else in your life? Um. Oh yes, very much so. I mean, it. Uh, I uh, I've been uh, writing sketch comedy here for a long time. I've been on several, you know, over the journey, several sketch comedy TV shows and writers' rooms and things like that. And that probably is the the most uh, kind of pointed part of my life where that comes in. It's and again, it's just looking at something that people see every day and kind of seeing the offers within it that that maybe uh, the general public don't don't see and i think that has a lot to do with comedy in a comedian's mind is is kind of being able to see the bigger picture where other people are kind of blinkered to it because most great stand-ups or great sketches is kind of just pulling your pulling those blinkers away a little bit and the audience going oh yeah that's right that that does happen um, and so I think in that realm, in the, specifically um, the writing comedy, uh, be it sketch or stand-up, that kind of stuff, it really helps with that, I think. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a very like a, um, a clear use case. Uh, yeah, and I think any creative field where you're writing or creating material or oh, yeah, filming things, like I think in all of those places, the same thing applies. Like, like I... I uh, Anytime you're trying to think creatively, like I, found, I I do this joking business I have called marketing in minutes. Mm -hmm. And the joke is you can call me and give me three minutes and I'll come up with a slogan for your thing. <laughs> nice. uh, and it's called marketing in minutes. And all you gotta do is tell me what you want me to stay away from and what the product is and boom, I'll go. And my yeah. wife has used it before. She's like done like, you know, she's produced lots of things and she'll call me up and be like, all right, quick marketing in minutes. I need something. And then three minutes later, I'll have something for her that she'll be like, Ooh, that's, that's great. You know? And it's just like, um, it kind of like, I don't mean to make fun of marketing people, but it is like as an improviser, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Thinking of a slogan. I got 20 of them. Pick one. Like, yeah. Let's go. 
Um, so I, I find it there, but any, also when I'm doing any other creative work, like, like, uh, like I, I do a lot of my own websites, I do a lot of my own design work and stuff and being able to just have that playful approach and not being afraid to, to, you're not, you're not thinking about all the things you're doing wrong. You're yeah. just trying and playing and, and messing around with some, some designs and some graphics and you're looking like doing all that. Like anytime I'm doing that, I find it to be super useful. Same with when I'm teaching, I find it really yep. useful to be yeah. like, okay, like you're not thinking about how badly you're teaching right now. You're just thinking about the students and what they need. And it's like yeah. being able to do that is so, so valuable. And I think teachers that, uh, be it in corporations or with, with young people or, or high school age students, teachers who are flexible and open in the moment to follow the class to where they need to be, even if it's off syllabus a little bit, or it means you'll have to double down on something next lesson or something like that, are the, the ones that engage with the students engage with a lot more. So I'll often have a, a if I'm you know planning improv lessons or something like that, I have a bunch of stuff I want to cover off, but not necessarily an order in which I'm going to do it yeah. um, and just kind of have it there ready on the go and see where people lead me um uh and and what the group kind of needs and stuff like that but just getting back to the creative stuff and and as a (laughs) a plug to my other podcast the dictionary of moments is simply that it's me improvising off a single word into a middle the middle of a story or a a story based off a single word so it's just a a, um it's me writing a bunch of micro fiction so four five six hundred word stories based off a single word and i did that to keep myself in in the practice of of trying to jump into the middle of stories how much can we assume about a story um, without actually writing it and mm. still have the audience on board. So if anyone wants to check that out, of course you can check that out on dictionaryofmoments.com or the, or the podcast itself. But that's, uh, that's essentially what that, that podcast does is it keeps me sharp. And I started doing that in the midst of the aforementioned me withdrawing from everything. Um, so I still was finding a way to improvise and, and, and work. Um, and so I started at about this time last year. And in the last six months, I've kind of come out of my shell and started improvising a whole lot more again, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm still got the, the dictionary going as well. So if you're curious to, to find out what that looks like for me, that's what that project is essentially. Yeah. The, the other place I think it's obvious that, that uh, the improviser's mind is super helpful is any performance at all. Yes. Anytime you're on stage in front of a group of people. So whether that's a lecture at a university uh, or like a friend of mine now teaches in a university and he, he uses his improv training. Like he says, he uses it all the time. Uh, yeah. And same with like doing corporate training work that, that uh, I'm sure we've both done a lot of. Uh, and uh, like, yes. uh, I think I, when I first entered and got into slam poetry, uh, that was another place where that, that ability to write was one thing. And just let mm-hmm. my ideas fall out of my brain. But then getting on stage and not being worried about all those other things people are worrying about when they're on stage. And instead worrying about the the right things, like yeah. how the audience is reacting to this poem. Are they enjoying it? Should I slow this down? Am I like all that stuff so that the poetry gets performed better? And same with like, a, a, I'm a close-up magician as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in magic, like so many magicians, there's so many things that you can be thinking about that could go wrong. Yeah, And all that that does is just make everything go wrong. And so not being like that as a, as a, as a performer and just yeah. like, eh, if it screws up, it screws up and just going for it. Uh, and it has made my magic just like shoot up compared to other magicians that I've That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. The other thing that I was just thinking of then as well is, is the smaller practice, the smaller things that you don't necessarily know that that you um that you take into other things so the idea uh, the example i was thinking of is you know that the beautiful idea in, in in when you're improvising that specificity is a gift to you to everyone mm-hmm. uh to the audience and stuff like that and so when i find myself stuck in my writing or something like that my instinct is to go into more specifics now, you know? Uh, and so those those kind of things that you train yourself in that are not necessarily things that you're going to have stuck up on the wall, uh, but you find themselves rearing their heads in, in other fields as well um, is, is, is really great. So, yeah, those, those smaller skills uh, that, that you know from, from improv, you see them popping up 
all around the place. Yeah, and of course, like I did a, I did a whole, uh, I did a TEDx talk on 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 how improv helps in your everyday life. Yep. Um, and just like working with talk, I mean, life is improvised, as cheesy yes. as it is to say it. Um, and so just listening to people, just talking to people, just being out in the world, just being aware of what's happening, uh, not not wishing things were different, but accepting them the way they are. Like all those very kind of like more life skill type things I think are also yeah. just like inherently uh, something that, that being an improviser helps. It, <laughs> having an improviser's mind makes you better at life. Yeah. And in these <laughs> uncertain times, they're going to help a, a little as well. Um, so yeah, uh, I think we need to be drawing on those reserves, uh, a lot at the moment. I yeah, think. definitely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, 100% agreed. Well, uh, man, this has been a really interesting conversation when we, when we spoke about it, I was like, what is the improviser's mind? But, uh, I've, uh, I've had a really great time chatting Me about too, this. And Thanks, I'm still, man. Part of me is still wondering what it is, but <laughs> I don't know. But it doesn't matter. I think we talked about it. <laughs> I just I just liked exploring that, like, what are we thinking when we're not thinking? Yeah, and if anyone has anything to add who's listening to this, please, uh, we'll have some sort of forum that, that you can reply to us on, yeah. um, whether it's via email or something like that. Check the show notes um, when uh, of this podcast. We might have an email link or something there. But uh, if you uh, if any of this has resonated with you or you have any feedback or, or uh, things like that, please reach out, let us know. Please. Please, what yeah. is the improviser's mind? Please do. All right. Uh, well, thanks, Jason. Everyone can find you Dictionary Moments, of course, as well as yes. uh, How About This, your other podcast. And uh, you can look me up at davemorris.tv and find all the other things I'm working on. Uh, and uh, yeah, been a great uh, great time. Yeah, Goodbye, really Jason. great conversation. I'll talk to you again tomorrow, my brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs>